Apple isn't pulling any punches in its legal filing, unloading on Fortnite maker Epic as a free rider on its innovation. As a trial between the two is set to start next month, let's look at the latest in this bitter legal clash. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. Joining me to untangle all this litigation mess is Ian Schur, Apple expert and big-time gamer. Welcome, Ian. Uh, how are you doing? I feel like the gamer and the Apple expert just come together in a very interesting way here. <laughs> it's very, it's synergy, man. This, yeah. is, this is the kind of synergy I can get behind. Uh, so Apple dropped quite a bomb late last night. What, what does legal filing spell out? Yeah, so this is kind of a normal pre-trial thing that happens. The trial is happening on May 3rd. And uh, what they do is that both Apple and Epic are expected to kind of lay out the facts of their case, right? And what they do is they file these enormous, uh, f- you know, p- bunch of documents that'll tell you, okay, here's the facts that we believe, right? We started the iPhone in 2007. We opened the App Store in 2008. And then talking about its involvement with Epic. We learned a couple of really interesting stuff. For example, that Epic had made $700 million in the two years that Fortnite was on the App Store, which means that a uh, billion dollars total in, in revenue, considering Apple takes 30%. That's pretty impressive uh, for a game that's just on iOS uh, when it's making that money. And then the other thing that they talked about was this really interesting thing that very clearly came out of the uh, discovery phase, right, where everyone had to share documents with the lawyers uh, to see whether or not there was um, some proof behind the uh, accusations that everyone was throwing around. And what happened was that there's apparently this thing that started in 2019 called Project Liberty. And uh, what Epic did is that it worked with its law firm and a PR firm to essentially prepare for what happened in August 2020 when it broke the App Store rules by changing the way payments are done, got kicked off the App Store, and then sued Apple within like a couple hours. And I think that it's really interesting to see Apple kind of make this case that uh, really, Epic is a cynical company, not that it's trying to do all of this good for the for the gaming world, which is what they have kind of set themselves for, right? Even they've created this coalition for app fairness to push against Apple. And of course, Spotify is a part of that and everything. But really, Apple says it's all cynical. So yeah, let's just to back things up a bit, because not all of our listeners follow this, uh, this battle or as closely as you do. Uh, just to kind of rewind things, can you sort of lay out what the the core, the crux of the dispute really is? Yeah, I mean, this is a s- corporate slap fight between a multi-billion dollar company and a trillion dollar company about how much money they get whenever I spend money on the App Store. That's really what this is. And what is interesting, of course, is that there's this kind of undercurrent where Epic, which makes Fortnite, is accusing Apple of monopolistic behavior. And this is, you know, this dovetails with all of the conversation around tech these days, right? We're we're seeing Congress start looking into antitrust concerns. We've got the federal government and governments around the world starting to look into this. Now Epic is bringing it up in a lawsuit. And a lot of these laws have not been updated in decades. So this is actually a very interesting case because we're going to start seeing, well, how is tech applied to antitrust? But essentially, you know, with Epic... What they decided to do is break Apple's rules that require uh, people on the App Store use 
Apple's payment processing systems. I'm sure you're already falling asleep and bored by this whole story because it's really just two companies fighting about how much money they make. Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to be very interesting. You know, Epic wants to essentially be able to do whatever it wants on the App Store. Use its payment processing, use Apple's, whatever. They even want to start their own App Store to compete with Apple. And Apple's like, uh, no way, Jose. And I think that that's going to be a very interesting debate in the courtroom. Yeah, and ultimately this comes down to the fact that Apple takes this 30% cut, which is a, a pretty large cut uh, from developers. It, you know, it argues that that's important because it's you know the helpers of the platform and all this yada yada argument. Uh, and Epic doesn't really want that. And you raised a good point about antitrust, the fact that this is an issue that Apple is particularly sensitive about, right? Because lawmakers are already kind of honing in on this topic and this lawsuit just sort of keeps it in the the forefront, right? In a lot of ways, yeah. And I, I've spoken to a number of antitrust experts who are actually super excited about this because <laughs> we've, yeah, right? <laughs> At least there's one person right. other than the lawyers who are really excited to get paid. But, you know, what's what I think is really interesting is that, you know, they have looked at antitrust and they're looking at the debate Congress is having and they're saying, well, you know, this hasn't really been figured out at all, right? We haven't really, we don't know how antitrust applies to tech. So to them, this this could be a really interesting philosophical debate. Of course, what's likely to happen is that they that Apple and Epic will eventually settle before the judge comes to a ruling, and this will just be kind of a whole uh, sideshow. But for the meantime, it's uh, it's quite interesting to see these two companies go at it. Yeah, dig a little bit more about this Project Liberty because uh, curious, like with the way that Apple presented the evidence here, what are they suggesting? Uh, is going on with Project Liberty and with Epic? Well, essentially, what they are saying is that uh, Epic, in its fight against Apple, wasn't just trying to say, hey, you know, we want to be able to allow anyone to be able to use whatever payment processing they want or be able to use the App Store however they want. Uh, instead, that Apple, uh, that Epic had kind of planned this whole ordeal. They'd planned the lawsuit for over a year. They had planned the PR campaign. You know, what's really interesting about this is that when Epic sued Apple, they actually put out a, a really slick video, which parodied Apple's 1984 ad, uh, but now Apple is the big bad guy instead of IBM. And they had the lawsuit ready and going. And Apple um, said that that's just, it, it, it makes it not as, uh, as, as kind of they're not being as good a company as they kind of put themselves to be. And by the way, um, Apple's doing this in part because the the judge has actually responded very much to this idea uh, in in all of these pretrial motions. One of the things the judges caught on to was that when Epic broke Apple's rules after trying to get them to change it and then failing. Uh, that they did all of this stuff surreptitiously, right? And the judge was like, that's not cool. And I think Apple sees an opportunity, because this is a judge trial and not a jury trial, to really go in the weeds, but also to make this argument that, you know, Epic is, is not really the good company they make themselves out to be, and maybe try and pull on the judge's heartstrings that way. And what is Epic saying about this? Yeah, so Epic had their own massive filing 
And, uh, uh, you know, I read all a couple hundred pages so you don't have to. Uh, More like skimmed, but read as much as I could. And the uh, what they did is they repeated a lot of their arguments that we've heard before uh, that Apple's App Store does not allow for innovation because Apple controls it so tightly. Uh, Apple has argued for a long time that it only allows apps to be downloaded through the App Store for the iPhone because of security concerns and malicious software and all that. But one of the things Epic found out in all of its discovery of Apple's emails and whatnot was that Apple had actually done a case study about a fake virus scanning app that shot to the top of the grossing charts uh, back when, you know, at one point when they approved it to go on the App Store. And they were like, why did this fraudulent app get to go through our process and then make tons of money off of people? It made $99 per week from people who agreed to use the app. And what it turned into was a very interesting moment where Apple realized they had rejected the app twice, but then the third time it was sent in, it was allowed in because the reviewers didn't know that it had been previously rejected twice. And it, it kind of caused Apple to change its way of working, apparently. But it underscores Epic's point that Apple's really just doing this to have control over stuff, not because it has concerns about security. Otherwise, it would have caught this problem. Got it. Uh, and in the in either filing, were there any other surprises uh, or different arguments made that kind of moved beyond the the standard talking points that they had laid out over the last few months? I think what's going to be interesting is that for Apple, you know, it gives a little bit of an insight into. Uh, just how Epic had planned things. Apparently, uh, according to Apple, we haven't seen the the, the evidence yet, uh, uh, that Fortnite was not making as much money as it once did. And so this was part of a scheme to actually draw attention to Fortnite, whether by getting more money through the payment processing or uh, convincing everyone that Apple's evil and then telling them to go play Fortnite on some other device. And that is something that Apple said is a really important thing to keep in mind that, you know, these are not just uh, good intentions. On Epic's part, there's going to be a lot of insight into how the App Store works. And that that means that we're going to see developers who have been pushing Apple to change its policies. They are going to get a lot louder. And by the way, the, the Worldwide Developer Conference for Apple every year is starting in two months. So talk about timing. We're going to have this entire lawsuit that surrounds all of these political issues inside the Apple world right before their big developer conference. So I imagine there's going to be a lot of noise on both sides. Well, given that and the fact that I don't know if these companies really want to get into this protracted battle. Oh, maybe Epic does. But what are the odds that these two companies end up settling before or even kind of early on in the in the trial process? Well, typically, from my experience with a lot of these lawsuits, and I, I can't speak for everything, but when it comes to the big companies, uh, when it becomes clear that one side's going to lose, that's when the that's when things change, mm. right? And uh, settlements suddenly start. Uh, or in the case of Apple and Samsung, when they realized that maybe they just spent way too much money on lawyers and it was time to throw in the towel. <laughs> and so, you know, I think that for Apple and Epic, 
Epic, what's interesting is that uh, Tim Sweeney, the CEO of Epic, is he has a lot of money. Uh, and I think he's at the point where he's like, screw it. I'm going to fight these battles because I want to. And Apple is one of the most obstinate companies in the world. I, I don't think that's anyone would debate me on that. So you've got two very strong-headed organizations going after each other. And that means this could go on for quite a while. But I, you know, if I was a betting man, I would say it ends in a settlement in the end. All right. Well, lots to look forward to next month. Ian, thanks for your time. You can check out his story on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to CNET.co slash Daily Charge. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.